welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 260. Today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. I hope you American listeners had a great 4th of July. I did. You guys know that I always say that there are actually six languages and food is the sixth love language. And I, when anytime I have good food, I got to say something. Uh, and I had like the best steak in the world. It was so good. Barbecued steak with mushrooms, perfectly barbecued corn on the cob. Oh man. I had a great time fellowshipping with my family, my in-laws, my nephews were visiting from Pennsylvania. Uh, it was amazing, you guys. Uh, so it was really, really, really great. Um, and I hope that your guys' fourth was great as well. So before we get started, like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you guys are listening to this. If you guys are listening on Spotify and you're not following the Elijah Fire podcast yet, give us a follow. That'll really help us out. And then wherever you're listening to this podcast, if it's on an app, make sure to rate Elijah Fire podcast. Give us an honest review. That'll also help us out as well. So uh, we're we got a juicy, juicy show for you guys today. As many of you are aware, we had a survey that we released, wanted to hear from you guys about topics you would like to hear more of. And one that we saw that was really good was wanting to hear more about how to start a house church. There's a lot of people right now that are, um, this is the direction that God is pushing a lot of the body of Christ, um, whether maybe for some people, maybe whether they realize it or not, um, but it is a big topic right now, and it's important to do this right and to do it well. And I can't think of anybody else better to talk about this subject than my guest today. She's the leader of Revive the Way. Uh, let's give it up for my guest today, Rayma Trader. Rayma, how are you? Doing well. Welcome back from Australia. You just came back Thank from Australia. You. Yes. So you have a lot of experience in starting home churches, given that, you know, that's what your I don't, organization, I don't know, how would you call it? No organization. At this point, you'd call it a new organization. No, there is yeah. much organization in the new wineskin. Yeah. You'll never get away from structure. Mm. That's even one of the things we should talk about today. You'll never yeah. get away from structure, but there's structure that kills and there's structure that brings life. So yeah. um, I think that. You can call it a apostolic movement. How about that? Mm -hmm. I love that. Ooh, buzzword, apostolic. Yeah. Churches, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think, too, that's like something that people um, sometimes, I, that's why I think this is a really important episode, a really important topic, is that sometimes people birth home churches out of a place of pain. Totally. Um, and they're like, man, forget this. Man, I don't want to. We're going to totally. do our own thing. And, and then right. it becomes anarchy as well. And then bad wonky theology can come in. It can get slightly culty sometimes. Okay. And so it's really important to get off on the right foot, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Right? Right. No, <laughs> I love churches birthed out of rebellion. That's really the best I would recommend. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, like I think that house church could actually become the most unhealthy and dysfunctional mm -hmm. of them all. Um, if it's not done in a healthy way. Yeah. So, you know, I think that 
yeah, like when, even before I started kind of engaging in the house church space, like which I, I've mentioned before was an mm-hmm. accident because like it wasn't even attractive to me as a model. Right. It's not like I went to a yeah. conference and was like, here's the way house yeah. church. And I was like, you're right. And then I just changed everything. God like had to yank me out of all yeah. the stuff I've seen before. And I was like, no. Yeah, you dug your heels in. And so it really was um, birthed for us out of guidance from the Holy Spirit, revelation, um, hit and miss, mistakes, come back this way, you know, just a lot of that over the course of many years. So I think that as I've come into this space, so I do see a lot of others that are kind of hanging around in this space. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that's really that's not a healthy way you know, to do that. And so I think a lot of people have turned to this as a, as a model or as a way of gathering with other believers, just out of, out of pain, out of offense, out of just being over it in other spaces. And, and all of that, I actually understand, but they're not, they're not the right place to birth new things. You have to make sure that you've been healed first. Hmm, you, know, yeah. um, you don't do a new model of something or a new method of something to heal from pain that was caused by other people. You, you still need to heal that pain and you need to make sure that you're really that you're still doing things in a biblical order. And I think that that's a lot of where, um, you know, many leaders who are speaking out, you know, I, I've seen people speak out against house church, um, you know, and it's like, I think sometimes they're doing that out of a place of real concern for the church. And it's that the concern they have is valid. How they're assigning that is maybe not the right way, but I think the concern that some leaders have is valid, you know, that they see people who are kind of like, we're over it. We're going to do this instead. And while the do this instead might actually be what God is doing. If you enter in out of, you know, rebellion and pain and offense and all that, how can you build something healthy? How can you do something that's really honoring God and growing and maturing people when you haven't even taken the time to be healed and to, you know, Mm -hmm. to make sure that this is really what God has for you in this season and that you are still connected in a healthy pattern and in a biblical way to what God is doing in the body, capital T, Mm because there's only ever going to be one church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it. So while some, like expressions of that might be dysfunctional in different eras and seasons. Mm-hmm. It, there's still only one church. And so if you want to actually be a part of the answer and the solution, you're going to need to make sure that you're a healthy individual and that got, you're really like following the leadership of the Holy spirit and not mm-hmm. just like a new trend. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say like, say someone, cause I think there's a lot of people in this place of maybe they've been attending a larger church and there's this pull on their heart of this desire to connect with other believers. And they don't feel like they're getting that in a larger church. And maybe they meet with other people and they're in that same place. And then they're like, let's just start getting together. Do you feel like that is a good, and there's no malice. You just like, we just want to yeah. fellowship with other believers and, and create, um, you know, a, a good, a community where there's a like people of like mind uh, that are, and it's not like in a culty way, like we're all hurt. So we're going to lick each other's wounds all the yeah. time. We're talking from a place of, I guess, purity. Would you say that is a good motivation? Do you feel like that is kind of what happens within people when they start a home church where they're, I, yeah, I you know, however you want. Yeah. I mean, because we, 
you know, ha- talk to lots of people in that space. Like we, you know, like they're naturally attracted to, okay, who's doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So we have conversations and and many of the leaders that have been through our, um, you know, training and kind of come into our like body of churches, um, many of them, you know, when you're like, hey, why are you here? You know what I mean? And you end up having those conversations. I'd say predominantly it's people who have felt a calling by God or people who have genuinely just been like, Hey, like I'm willing, I'm mature in God. I want to disciple people. Um, I feel like this is the best way to do that. And I I just need help like getting started, you know, and by calling there's a, I think we have a, um, we look at people in, in what we consider ministry, which even the whole, the whole way that we frame that in Western culture is, is so wrong. And it makes Mm -hmm. so many people feel like they're disqualified and like they can't do something important within the church, do something important to serve the body. Um, every single believer has a ministry, right? So, but I think that when we think of ministry, people in ministry, we think of pastors predominantly because that's our context, Mm -hmm. but that's really not the way we should think about ministry. Um, really the qualifications to be an elder are that, you know, you are spiritually mature and that you are willing, you know, so that's really the qualification to lead within a small group you know, setting where you're leading in discipleship mm-hmm. and, you know, just building a spiritual family is kind of how we paraphrase that. Mm-hmm. But then there's other, there's other factors that kind of come into it. It's not just, all right, well, I'm going to do this new thing. I'm going to gather some people and we all love God and we're just going to get together and worship or, you know, have a worship night and eat dinner. And then like now we're doing church. Um, I think that's one of the ways that I've seen where there's been just some confusion, like where people are like, well, cool, we're doing a house church too, you know, hashtag new wineskin. And they just show pictures of, you know, people in living rooms with guitars. And it's like, that's cool. But are you still, are you still actually like the body of Christ still belongs to Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? The church is still led by Jesus. And so there are ways that are revealed in scripture that actually produce the fruit that would say, Hey, we are the ecclesia of Jesus Christ. And ways that don't. And I think that we have to be careful in this transition where God is doing a new thing. And it is a transition. It's not like everybody right this minute should go start a house church. Right? So some people Mm -hmm. really are being called to remain in different contexts, different settings, different streams. Others are being called out and they're just scared. So that's another thing, right? So there are people that God has been calling Mm -hmm. out and putting this in your heart. Hey, I want you to move. I want you to shift. And because of fear of losing community, because of fear of man, because of other reasons, they're just remaining when God has actually been like, I'm calling you into the new. Mm. So we have to understand what is the Holy Spirit saying to me at this time? Um, that's really important. And if, if you feel a calling, you know, if you're feeling a draw, if you're feeling God is calling me to this, then you say, okay, am I mature? And am I willing? Uh, because there's a stewardship involved when you take on building a spiritual family. And it's also something you're not supposed to do alone. So I see a lot of people out there, they've started a house church and they're kind of just on their own and they're like, it's so healthy. And you're like, okay, cool. Tell me about it. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, we worship together. There's just like, we just love each other so much. It's so awesome. And then we eat a meal and it's like, that's a great start perhaps. But I think you still have to ask deeper questions. Are we doing exactly as we're meant to be doing according Mm -hmm. to scripture? Versus is this just better than what I had last time? Mm -hmm. Which I think that's the qualification a lot of people are using 
with house church. Well, I'm experiencing love and fellowship and I didn't have that in my last setting. So this must be it. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to ask deeper questions that are more holistic. Right. And that's also the purpose Mm -hmm. sometimes of leadership, you know, to help us understand, Hey, what you're experiencing is good. Nothing wrong with what you're experiencing, but there actually is more to the puzzle that will help us to be a full, you know, a more full representation of what we're meant to function as, as the ecclesia, you know, when Jesus is talking about, I'll build my ecclesia, my governing body of believers on the earth. Like what did he actually mean? There's more than just getting together for a meal, getting together to, to pray, getting together for a worship night. There's a, there's a more holistic view we have to have of that. Hmm. And so what would some of those things be then? Would you say, are are some other things to take into consideration? Like say somebody is listening to this is like, man, I thought what we were doing was home church and it is a great time when we come together. But, you know, if someone is in that place, are there some other things you could say, hey, you really should start looking at this or considering these things or maybe asking some probing questions to that person? What are yeah. some of those things that would that that would? Uh, yeah. What are some things you would so say? First, I'll, I'll I'll speak to like a holistic um like a holistic understanding of ecclesia, a holistic okay. understanding of like the body, and then maybe some more specific questions mm-hmm. around one of those categories. Because really, we're only dealing with one of those categories at the moment when we talk about house church. So, and you know, and and we'll have to end up landing somewhere around apostolic, you know, fivefold leadership and then eldership, you know, and the local assembly, um, you know, and how we mature believers and disciple believers versus how do we equip believers for ministry, which is actually two different jobs within the body. So you'd say that two different jobs, discipling and equipping believers are two different things. Yes. Okay. And that was years. Uh, anyway, that's like so many directions I could go. I have like I seven rabbit trails right now. Like, I mean, I'm like, oh, we're and right. going to be good, Rama. It's all good. Yeah, like, yeah. okay. So let's start first with Ecclesia. And I talk about three different categories of what are we doing, right? We're the church. But then like, what does that even mean? And first of all, like the subhead, the heading number one would be what is our identity? So. Who are we as the people of God, mm-hmm. right? The governing body of Christ, the, mm-hmm. the ecclesia on the earth, the ones who are called to rule over the kingdom of darkness, the sons and the daughters of God, you know, the Romans eight answer to the groaning of the earth. Like who, who are those people? That's the ecclesia. So what's our identity? How do we understand who we are, right? That's like the first category. I feel like there's been a lot of revelation, especially over the last 10 years, you know, father, God the sons and daughters, you know, no more orphans, the uh, revelation even of, you know, spiritual warfare, our revelation of authority, our understanding of, um, you know, how we function, especially in, you know, more charismatic, only in more charismatic circles <laughs> with the last one, especially, but maybe only um, in charismatic circles has that revelation really been predominant, I would say over the last like 10, 20 years. Um, so we, we're getting this understanding of who we are, but then the next level from understanding of who we are is function. So identity is first, but then how do we function? Right. So then we go back to scripture, like in function is like so many things. That's how do we gather? Well, who leads who? Well, how do they come to those leadership roles? Well, 
well, what do we do when we gather? Well, who gathers who? Well, well, what's the outcome of that, those gatherings? And when, where do we do that? And for what reason? And, you know, so there's all of these things within how do we function? Um, that's church models. That's uh, the things that we do. It, it's, it's so much in that one category. And I think we've been so caught up in dysfunction that that's actually where we're stuck is in the second tier of function because the third is mission. So we go from identity, who are we, into function, what do we do? How do we grow? How do we gather? Like, how do we be who we are? Into mission, which is what do we do? Hmm. So we can't do the things we're supposed to be doing on the earth, which which we're not doing it. We can kind of like, we can all assess that and see we're not doing to the potential that the Bible talks about anyway. Mm-hmm. So there are some things we are doing. It's not like we're totally, you know, doing nothing, but there's supposed to be more. There's a, there's a greater expression of the body of Christ that we haven't seen mm-hmm. in our lifetime that we are not living in the reality of on mass. And that is mm-hmm. a fact. Yeah. So you have to go backwards from mission. If we're not doing the mission, if we are not, if we don't have the tools and the maturity to really be functioning in that, in that mission, to be doing the work, the way that the Bible explains and the way that the Bible models, right? So this isn't just theory, the Bible all through the epistles, right? It's telling us about the effectiveness of the early church as does history tells us of their effectiveness, tells us of, you know, what the, the, the fruit of, of their function was their function lent to their mission. They were able to do the things to do the work. Yeah. And so we have to go back into function and say, we're functioning in a dysfunctional way. Mm-hmm. And that is affecting our mission tremendously. And we're not able to be who Jesus said we're supposed to be and who we can be. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where we're camped out, I think, a lot in, at the moment. And, and rightly so. And, and so when we in, in function, how do we function? Mm-hmm. Because then when we, when we go straight to mission, like who are we? Identity. Oh, we're sons and daughters of God. And then we go down to mission. And we take dominion over the earth and we heal the sick and raise the dead and go. Out and But the problem is we're missing this whole category that actually builds people up to do that effectively. You, w- you won't have mature believers. You won't have good structures. You won't have good method. You won't have any of that if you ignore this second thing. Hmm. And so that's where a lot when we talk about like method and why do we gather this way and what are the leadership structures and da, 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 like. We're, we're, that's where we're at. We're talking about how do we function? So function is more than just, well, we come together, you know, every Wednesday or whatever, and we, you know, right. worship and we pray for one another and we share a meal together. Like that's, that's, if, if that's what you think, what you're saying is if that's what you think a home church is, it's a very shallow view of actually what it is. And, and honestly, we have the whole new Testament to support what you're talking about, Rama. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say it's not a shallow view and someone shouldn't feel bad for having that view, right? Because it it is, it is a way of assembly and it's not bad. It's not wrong. The problem is it's just not holistic in Mm -hmm. like, who are we as the ecclesia? What is our mission on earth? What has Jesus commanded us to do? And what are the things that need to take place? What do, how do we need to engage as the people of God in order to accomplish that mission, which is a much bigger picture than just how do I gather with other believers for fellowship. It's, it, there's a much bigger piece, you know, there, or that's just one piece. So for example, within 
within how do we function, I have one category called assembly. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. So how do we assemble? That's one facet of how do we function. And then within assembly, I have two different categories. <laughs> we function, you know, in one mode of assembly, which is as the local ecclesia, the local fellowship. So with other believers, right. And that produces other things like formation, um, personal maturity, fellowship, uh, you know, just general emotional health. That's like, that's like you're, you're in a spiritual family. You're just like learning stuff. But then also in mode of assembly, there's a whole nother thing. The apostolic, the fivefold equipping for ministry, which doesn't produce spiritual formation. It produces equipping. It produces the ability to do the work of the ministry, which is different. That's an impartation that you need. And by impartation, I'm not talking about that you come up and somebody lays hands on you and says, I impart to you everything I have. No, I'm talking about impartation, which is the copying of one person, what they carry, them, you receiving that which generally is more of a investment that happens over time. Yeah, I was going to say that's not uh, that. I mean, maybe there have been rare instances where God has imparted something kind of boom. But even with like, you look at like Elisha and Elijah is a good example. It, yeah, he was imparted that, but he also served under him for a duration of time. So what? even though that with his mantle was transferred over, it wasn't, we look at that and go, oh, it's instantaneous. I'm like, yeah, but like he was with him for a long time. Right. Yeah. It's it's like an imprint. Yeah. It's like you have to copy, you know, who what you carry, who you are into a body. Yeah. And over time, you're receiving the impartation. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've just narrowed down like how we understand impartation, which both are impartation. In other words, a spiritual transfer. But we have to understand there's, there's, there's types of spiritual transfer where, yeah, somebody lays hands on you and the Holy Spirit, re- you receive a gift. You receive, you know, something that God wants to give you in that moment. That's, that's amazing. Or you receive, you know, an anointing from someone that you didn't have before. That's amazing. But that's actually not all that you need. And if you don't have that long-term impartation where you're receiving over time from specific people that God calls for you to receive from, which again goes down to everyone has a ministry and there's different fivefold leaders, different gifts that need to impart into your life. That's what gives you what you need to fulfill your ministry, which could be anything. So man, see now I have a bunch of rabbit trails. Like okay. 10 tabs open. And it's All right. Like- so um, if Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do this one first. Okay. Say someone, because I mean, you guys have done a great job of establishing the fivefold responsibilities. So say someone is actually building a community, um, but say they're missing someone who's more on the, the office of a prophet, for example, do they just, I mean, how do you develop this? I guess it's like, because like, I would look at it and be like, Oh, Man, we're missing uh we're missing an evangelist uh, office of an evangelist right now. Like in your house church? Yeah. Or like you say you have a like a community of multiple house churches. Say someone else is doing something very similar to what you're doing, Rama. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, we don't like I mean, you don't just like open up, you know, like 
search online and go profits available for hire. (laughs) We're on Facebook. Just anyone who has profits. Right. Hey, come. Yeah. (laughs) Just come. You're probably right. You're probably a profit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Don't do that. No. So, I mean, (laughs) okay. So this is a good question. It's also a more complex question. Right. I figured. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. So within, um, again, this goes to those two modes of assembly. So who leads in local fellowship in order to spiritually form believers and to create, you know, spiritual families, fellowship. So elders lead in that category and people can call them deacons. They can call them elders. I don't care. Like pick whatever you like. I just don't think it matters. We're like, so, so people are gathering is the point in the pattern, you know, of the early church, you're gathering with a group of believers, a smaller group where people can be known. There are leaders in that environment. It's not like everybody just gets together and we're all leaders. It's like, okay, but there actually are people who are meant to father and mother and bring people into maturity, just like a spiritual, like a real family, Mm -hmm. right? So you don't run a real family by being like, Hey, we're all at different levels here, but like, we're all just equal and we all have equal authority. That's, that's a democracy and that's not the kingdom. So that's still not the kingdom. People just get together and they're like, well, we're all Christians and we're in fellowship. No, like someone actually should have that role of being a father and mother in that environment Mm. and sending out people once they're mature, right? It's a multiplication environment. It's not meant to be the same 10, 15, 20 people that are getting together for five years with no growth, with no- There should be growth. I mean, that's a good sign of, yeah. There needs to be growth. And that's the role, again, of the evangelist who's imprinting into- the ecclesia, that people are catching that, that they're understanding how to move into reaching the lost, how to care about salvation, how to bring people into their lives, how to minister, right? So you're getting that from the evangelist. And then, you know, the evangelist is growing the church because the people are receiving that impartation and they're taking it, right? So they're growing the church. As the church grows, you're sending out those who are becoming spiritually mature because they're growing up in the ecclesia. They're growing up in the spiritual family. And you're sending them out, which is usually, you know, down the street because because it's a it's a house church. So it's local, you know, so you're sending out people down the street, say, OK, start your own spiritual family. You're now mature, just like people grow up and they have kids. So have your own kids. Take some people who can help you build this family down the street. And then we'll all get together like a family reunion, you know, once a month or every six mm-hmm. weeks or something like that. We're all together. Right. So you're not losing your community when you do that. You're actually expanding your community. And now you've got, you know, tons of people who can gather. You don't, you don't lose the large assembly in a house church collective. There's so many things I could talk about. You don't lose the large assembly. It just shifts. Like, yeah. why are we doing it? Who's in charge of it? What's happening mm-hmm. when we do it? What's primary? What's secondary? It's, it's just, it changes is more of the thing. Yeah. Um, but when you asked about fivefold, so again, like that question was who leads in the, in the local assembly? Then I kind of went that way. Mm-hmm. But then who leads in the fivefold? space. So you've got what I would consider a, an apostolic hub, a kingdom center, a kingdom hub, you know, which doesn't have to necessarily be a building. Um, but it can be just a way of understanding at this point. Mm. You have to have fivefold leaders who are imparting to the body. But what does that look like? Does it mean every house church needs to have a fivefold team? No, absolutely not. Right. Because well, let's, let's use this, um, this paradigm. So or framework, a, the, the elders lead within the local churches. They lead within these smaller gatherings. Now then who leads elders? 
Well, elders are within the pastoral, um, the pastoral umbrella, let's say. They are shepherding the flock. So even when Paul, I think it's um, in Acts 14 or Acts 20, when he says it gathers the elders of Ephesus and he says, like, be faithful to the shepherding mm-hmm. that you're doing. Okay, so they're shepherding the flock. They're practically doing the work. The diaconos, the ones who serve, right? They're practically doing the, the, the discipleship, the growing up of the body. So that is a shepherding mantle that's on them. And so the actual fivefold shepherd is the one who's bringing that impartation to the elders and who is in their life and who's really understanding this is what's going on in the churches that are under my care. This is the people that I'm responsible for, like the elders and the deacons, you know, these are the ones who I'm shepherding, right? So the shepherd himself or herself, someone called to that fivefold office, they are shepherding the shepherds, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because every fivefold calling has the role to equip and impart, right? You're building unity in the church. You're building maturity in the church. You're not always doing. I think that's also something we've gotten wrong. You're not doing it for in every place you're 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 modeling it of course because you understand it and you carry it but you're you're giving that to others to do you're bringing the impartation and you're equipping others to do the thing mm. and so the pastor is very involved in the house churches but it's among it's not within so okay. fivefold is among the churches so think of we have to think spheres instead of triangles that's like always like a, a phrase that i use a lot you're thinking of um circles of authority not triangles of authority yeah triangles go down like this yeah where circles overlap and move right so let's say there's you know seven or eight house churches in a certain city you know there could be a a pastor who really called to that region that's within their sphere of authority which is delegated by jesus says jesus himself sets you know the apostles the prophets pastors evangelists so then when when we talk about metrons and spheres, which is like the sub, sub, subheading, there's, there's an amount of authority and there's a sphere where that authority exists in the spirit, where that authority is recognized. Mm-hmm. All right. So then a pastor might have authority in this area. So then the churches that are in that area, there's a pastoral a shepherding, you know, release that's happening through the shepherd. But then, you know, within the churches, they still need apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, teaching, they still need these roles to be active in the body. And so there are apostles, there are prophets who also have that sphere of authority. So it's not like there's one apostle for that house church. There's one prophet for that house church. No, but you would have prophets and apostles who are in that sphere that's been delegated by Jesus. And so they need relationships with those churches so that they can receive the impartation and receive what those people carry. And by those people, I don't mean like one single one. There's not like a single apostle that Jesus has chosen for X neighborhood. And this is where a lot of people also are like, what? Like having one apostle, having one prophet, having one evangelist. These are, this is kind of silly to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like from what it sounds like you're talking about, the pressure isn't to get all of this in place before you like some God. It, I mean, cause it sounds like even with you guys, like 
this is stuff that is just unfolded as you've progressed through this of like, so say it starts in one church and then it goes to two houses and then three houses and four houses. And before you know it, a lot of these things will present themselves. Am I not mistaken? Like eventually you will start to see the, the people who are more prophetic and the people who are more pastoral and the people who are more this and that. And then that's when you begin as as these things unfold, making sure that you're being aware of these things rather than just like, ah, oh, well, we'll just do whatever, man. You know, um, it sounds like just being mindful of these things and being very intentional about these things as they grow. And obviously there are going to be leaders that God will reveal more of this stuff to in like a, a group of leaders or what. I don't know. I mean, uh, but that, I mean, it does sound like for you guys, it, it, this has been a process of, of, refinement 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 yeah it's been a really long process honestly Mm -hmm. and and it's been a changing of paradigm which i talk about a lot and a lot of alignment Mm -hmm. you can't you can't do the ecclesia the body like this without alignment between lots of mature people lots Mm -hmm. of mature people this is why it's not about the triangle anymore because you Yes, you can identify, you know, in a house church, let's say, which all believers should belong to the ecclesia, like you belong to the body. But as you're identified, let's say, in a fivefold office, like so there's a calling on somebody's life to be a prophet, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so you're in a house church, you're in it, you're in a local assembly. Well, you still are, you know, technically you're under the authority, which again, we got to change our understanding of authority and Uh how we see your authority and dysfunctional. So you, you have a spiritual mom and dad, let's say, because that's more, maybe more comfortable for most people, but you still have somebody who's watching over your soul. You have somebody who's looking over you to care for you, to mature you, to help you mature. And you've got this spiritual family of people where you're rubbing with other people. And man, that's going to bring everything out that should get out, um, you know, as we rub with relationships and all of that. But like you have a calling to be a prophet. Amazing. You know, it keeps getting called out. Everyone can see it on your life. It's amazing. Just huge mantle. I can see it. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Wonderful. Well, there's a process before the timing of God where there comes a commissioning where you begin to function in that office among the body. And that's a different, that's a different thing. And so just because somebody had a prophetic word one time, you're a prophet. And then suddenly, you know, their Instagram handle changes to prophet so-and-so and they begin to release prophetic words over every year. And it's like, we are not actually a prophet yet. There's a prophetic word over your life and there's a calling to the office of the prophet. And now you are in a process that will take place for as long as it takes place. And usually it's years. And so you're in a process where now there will come a time whereby the confirmation of God and the confirmation of others, you are to be released into Mm. the office and into the function of a prophet. And then there's a recognition. There's an amen. That's how I've talked about it. But there's an amen among the body that, yes, this person is a prophet. They are carrying the word of the Lord. God has assigned them to this time and season. And he has assigned them to this sphere of influence. It's discerned by others. And I think that this is the part, like this, this whole, because we haven't had the right paradigm, I think, of like raising people up equipping them over time. And then as that person is, is recognized, Hey, there's a prophet in that house church. Okay. Awesome. We need to start developing them. That's where the five folds coming in. Mm. 
right? The five was like, hey, that, yeah, like, where are the prophets among us that we need to be developing over the course of these years, over the course of this, because they need to be released into function. And so there's a, there's a development. There's something that needs to happen specific because even fivefold leaders, there's three different levels that they need to function on. One is to function among uh, one another, mm-hmm. right? So you've got peer relationships, you know, there's fathers and mothers within that. There's people we look to that are more whatever, but basically those who are commissioned and functioning in these roles, according to like the authority of Jesus Christ. So there's many people who don't actually fall in that category. They're doing their own thing, but there's ones who are commissioned according to the authority of Jesus Christ. They're operating in health with fruit. We've got that. So then they need to, they need to like work together. They need to talk to each other. They have a responsibility to co-labor. And so there's that level of functioning. Then you have the functioning of fivefold to equip more leaders. So how do we relate to those that God is calling who need to be matured and need to also be released so that they can function in health and maturity. And then they, when they're released, they then become co-laborers. They're not like always under me. Like even this idea, yes, there's a respect just like we have for like real parents, right? Like if you've had a really healthy, amazing parent, when you graduate, go off, have your own family, have your own stuff. You don't come back like, Oh, can I, I need to obey you. You need to tell me what to do. No, now you are a, an adult, you're a co-adult in uh-huh. the world, but you yeah. have honor for those who have raised you up. You have honor for the people who've come before you, but you're not under them. This is another thing about like, like authority and covering, which is another topic, but there's a co-laboring. Then there's, okay, raising up people who need to be matured into that specific calling. Then there's the way that the fivefold relates to the body directly. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about within the house churches and apostles and prophets and evangelists, we need to equip the body as a whole, but within the equipping of the body, there's the equipping of all people, which have, which need grace from those fivefold offices to function in maturity. Mm. And there's some among them who also need to be equipped to actually be in those roles themselves. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, I mean, it sounds like too, you know, our current church models, of like large corporate gathering, it's easy to hide in in an environment like that. So, um, you know, and not have accountability and all those things too. So if someone is called, say, you know, some prophet comes in and acknowledges someone sitting in the audience, you, sir, are a prophet that says the Lord. And it could be very, it very well could be true. But what you're saying is that's not enough. And the same applies to, an evangelist, the same applies to a pastor, the same applies to a teacher. Like it doesn't, that's not suddenly now your, your ticket to jump to the front of the line. You're still where you were, but now you begin a different process of refinement. Correct. Right. right. Yeah. Right. It's a potential, right? It's always potential. Like prophetic mm-hmm. is always the potential of God. It's to help us understand which way we're supposed to keep walking. Mm-hmm. and when it's time for us to function in something is often a very different thing than the timing in which we're called, you know, um, yeah. or the timing when something becomes, when we become aware of something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's, let's, um, let's strip this down to, because we talked about a lot and I think this actually could even be like, like there are some people that may be doing something and maybe even realize they're doing it for the wrong reasons. But let's say 
a group of people are all in right standing. All right. <laughs> Grandma. Let's say they're all in right. I'm, I'm just kicking you a scenario. They're all in right standing. They're good. They've healed, but they really feel a pull towards getting together is just getting together and seeking the Lord together. A good first move. Like, cause I really want people to feel empowered to like, dude, we could do this. Cause I look at what you're doing and I'm like, what? Whoa, like because I know there's been a lot of like a lot of refinement and a lot of of mistakes and and then you know learning from those mistakes. But I do want people to feel like we like again, this isn't some special thing that Rayma Trainer has that no one else can do, right? Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. It's illustrated in scripture and all you're doing is implementing that structure. And that is a process. And I think that we have this tendency, especially visionaries, I, you know, I, I, of like, if I can't do it right the first time, I don't want to do it, you know, kind of a thing. And, um, okay, so people get together, Rema, and they're like, this is great. Is a good first move coming together corporately and just seeking the Lord together about what's next? Like, what would you advise? So there's a couple things. Um, is God telling me to do that? Mm-hmm. First question. Important. So do we have, important. Um, do we have that release of the spirit? Like I'm wanting you to, you know, come out from this or do this. Like, do we have that, that sense of like, God is calling us. Um, and then there's a few, di- like, cause there's a few different ways that these things start. So it's hard to sure. put, it's hard to say it always has to be like this, like this, like this. Mm-hmm. There are people I know where God told them, Hey, come out from, you know, this, or there were others who were kind of just floating for years. And then God said, Hey, like, assemble, like begin to do, you know, cause it, again, it's like this period of transition where there's been no blueprint. So lots of people have been yeah. doing it however they felt. And a lot of it has been good. A lot of it has had good fruit, but I think part of what we're in now is this, this season where God's bringing more order so that we can get into that third thing. Again, it's like that get into mission so we can function well. And so it's like, there's pieces of it that have been good. But then it's like, okay, let's now put it together. Let's start flowing so we can really get into mission and be mm-hmm. united, you know, across the body. Yeah. And so there might be people who are sensing, hey, God is doing this. I feel like it's right for us. I feel like it's right for our family. I feel like this is what he's wanting us to do. Well, then your next step is to, I would suggest having some training. And here's why. Not because you can't just get with the Holy Spirit and he can lead you. We did that but it was really hard and we made a lot of mistakes and it, it, it isn't, why not learn from other people who've been doing it? And why would you say it's hard? Cause I know these people, people are like, well, that, why? Like, I need to know what, like, what is, is it just because it becomes a little bit more of like a free for all, a spirit surfing free for all or what? There are a whole host of reasons why. Yeah. <laughs> and it really depends on the people. It depends yeah. on the setting. It de- like it, it's even a new paradigm of understanding. Well, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Who's in charge? What are we supposed to do? Like even down to what I was talking about when you're talking about function and then you talk about assembly. Well, who, who leads in that assembly? Why? What are we supposed yeah. to be doing? Like, well, what are the things we do? Well, if we read Acts, you know, we get into first Corinthians, you know, 13, 14, we can get some pretty good ideas of what do we do when we gather, right? Because we have Paul speaking into directly into, you know, gatherings 
of the church and things they're maybe not doing right. And he's kind of bringing some correction. So we do understand these are things that the church did when they gathered. Um, you know, when we have Acts 2 and it's explaining, here's what we do when we gather. Well, let's just say you you don't even necessarily, you don't know that like, hey, when you gather, you should be exercising spiritual gifts. Um, okay, well then maybe you just read the Bible and eat dinner together. Well, those that's great, but maybe you don't understand the value of, hey, we need to exercise spiritual gifts. We need to grow together in these things. We need to, um, you know, take this time of fellowship every week. We need to live life together. We need to serve, you know, our neighbor and, ser- you know, so there's different elements that you just may not be, have a natural tendency toward, to be honest. One thing I've noticed that has been one of the biggest areas of dysfunction, um, which there are many, but one of the things I've noticed has been the biggest area of dysfunction in house church has been the leaders of that assembly. Cause it's a smaller group of people. You know, so the leaders and or the people they naturally gather to themselves can have a tendency towards certain elements of faith, certain elements of together. And so you get a group of people together. They're like crazy evangelist, like that's their heart. That's how they are, you know. And so their idea of being the church is just going out every week together and ministering to the lost. And that's a good thing to do. It's not a bad thing to do, but they're maybe not valuing enough some of the other elements of life together, of maturing into the body. And so what what it does to be connected to other people, to be connected to wider groups of people who are moving in this is that it helps us to establish parameters where we understand what health looks like and we understand what it doesn't look like. And it helps to pull us in other directions that we may not be partial toward. It's the same thing with people who love the word. Praise God for them. There's people that love the spirit. Praise God for them. But when you put them in a room, just among other people like themselves, they're going to tend to make everything about that. And then it's like more like an echo chamber of sorts. Yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. You know, and like we had a group um, where the, the leaders of it, they were very like Bible you know, they just loved like, what's the Greek of that? What's the this mm-hmm. that? And, and that's beautiful. And they love the context. And so they would get into it and man, they could lead a Bible study like no one's business because they just love the word. But the problem was they had a real difficulty, like bringing people into environments that were spirit led mm. and a real difficulty cultivating that. And if someone wasn't asking that question to them, like, hey, how are you cultivating this? Or they didn't have anybody to call and be like, we're, we're struggling to like to, in, to create environments where people can really encounter because that's not our background. We don't carry that. We're not sure how to cultivate it. And so they needed a lot of help being able to cultivate that in mm. that space. But the people need it. And yeah. so it's not an option like, oh, that's okay. Because since you're really good at the Bible, you don't need to do this other stuff. That's one of the problems that we have. Wow. In the body as a whole. Yeah. That people go to what they think is like important. We decide what we think is the we most decide. important. Yeah. And that's just not the way we have to follow yeah. like the whole blueprint, you know? And so sometimes it's a little bit more like an exercising of our left arm and we have to grow, you know, as like those elders of the, the church. And that's a lot of times where the fivefold really helps. You know, you got a group of people who are really struggling in the prophetic awesome. Let's like get a profit to do some like meetings or even like virtually get on with that group and just start to equip them in the prophetic, start to help them understand how to step into hearing from God, how to step into like words of knowledge, how to do, you know? And so that's why you have all of these resources available to the body so people can grow and they can develop 
these different elements of life together that they may not naturally be cultivating. Mm. Um, and so that's just like one mm. example of why that yeah. matters. Man, that's huge though. And I, I think that I, I can see just in, in, you know, our time of getting to know each other and, and hearing these different top, you know, points of contact within this, this broad topic. I mean, it's a big multi-layered topic. I didn't realize how broad until people yeah. started asking questions about it. I'm like, well, it just makes sense, you know? And they'd be yeah. like, oh, and they're like, Ooh, that has like seven. I would imagine it when someone, even if someone say someone goes out of like the main kind of corporate church structure and, and, and is led into your community and what you guys are doing, do you feel like there is also kind of a, a burning out, if I can use that analogy, a burning out of kind of that old mentality of pyramid? Because it, it's so ingrained in us with everything, not just church, but with everything, Yeah, and uh, especially in Western culture. Do you feel like that's an, another part of the equation that that also needs to to kind of die within us as we enter into this new wineskin method of gathering together. Yeah. I'd say that like a lot of what ends up um, dying is a lot of the paradigm. That's kind of what you have to kill first in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, You, you get people who come, you know, to a house church and then they're like, well um, you know, how can I serve? Cause it's just the program. Like when they come into a, a church community, a fellowship, well, how can I serve? And it's like, maybe that's a beautiful thing about you. Maybe that's not a beautiful thing. Like yeah. maybe that's actually something in you that needs to be healed because you're, you think you have to do something and perform mm. to be used by God. You think you need to be like doing something to be part of the community. I mean, there's been people, you know, in tears, you know, not understanding like why for months and months, there's like nothing for them to do. But it's like you have to shift like the, the, the purpose of house church, the purpose of the local gathering together of believers is not to serve. Yes. Like we could. Yes. Like we it's an element. Right. Mm-hmm. Like go out, serve your community, go out, um, you know, pray for the sick. Do, yeah. do we, Yes. There's things we could do to serve, but it's not like broken down into seven teams and eight departments and. You know, we have to be carrying. Uh, you're in the serve department. Yes. Yeah, so let me. Like, <laughs> the purpose of coming together uh-huh. is truly to mature together as a family. Hmm. And so you have to work that out a whole lot more than doing tasks because the purpose of that environment actually is for you. It's for you to grow. It's for you to mature. It's for you to receive. It's for you to even like for the things to be highlighted in you that need to shift. Because you're now in a circle where you're vulnerable, where people are seeing you and knowing you. And that's even, you know, difficult for some people. Um, so it's just a totally different purpose yeah. um, of gathering together. And we've been yeah. trained to think that we gather to serve. Mm-hmm. We gather for the unbeliever. These are just wrong ideas. Hmm. Um, you know? So would you, um, in, in, let me shift it over to the leadership side now too. As you are embarking on something like this or someone is currently in this type of a, a, a you know a structure of of house churches and things are going well but are there some things as a leader you should look out for because what i've experienced even just in leadership in general is and we talked about this a little bit on another episode i think but you do get into the issues of free will other people's free will 
And especially if it isn't an issue of like, okay, well, this is my boss and I'm hired to do this job. Right. Uh, and, and they pay me to do this job. So when they ask me to do something, I should do it. It's not that type of a structure. So if you do come in contact with someone's free will as a leader, rather than applying pressures or I just, I'm curious if there's some, some, I'm trying to like, I was starting to go in another route, Rama, and I'm trying to pull it back because I don't want to, I just I don't want to, say, yeah, I can say something to what I think you're saying and then yeah. you can another like ask a follow-up yeah, yeah, yeah. um the new wineskin is rooted in relationship hmm. it will not and does not function without real relationship now this is another thing that uh, people who are trying to build or who want to shift but they don't want to be known and they don't want to be in real like legitimate relationship not connection relationship hmm. with other people um, whether that's with leaders, whether that's with, you know, peers, whether that like, if you don't want to be in relationship, there is no way to function in the old wine skin. You could function without relationships because it's structural. It's yeah. based in position and not based in actual legitimate connection with other people. Wow. Um, and yeah. so even in my early years of trying to build whatever this is, we still were very structural. And so we lost a lot of people because we couldn't, we couldn't figure out that component mm. that if you don't have the connection, that's heart to heart. Like if that doesn't exist, it falls apart mm. because authority, think about like your parents, when you have a good parent or a good spiritual parent, or just a, a good leader in your life who you knew loved you when they're bringing even correction. And when there's a sense of, Hey, can we shift? Can we not do this? Can we do this instead? When there's a when there's a level of like, hey, this person really loves me. This person really is looking out for me. This person really cares about me. I know they're for my best interest. I have a relationship with them. Blah, blah, blah. So then there's like an ease to being like, okay, yeah, I'll shift that. Or yeah. you know, here, you know, where you know that like you've been doing this together. They really do see you. They really are bringing, hey, the wounds of a friend. Like they're bringing that wound, and you're like, but we're in, we're connected. And yes, that hurts me that you're seeing that and you're calling that out and. I wish you didn't see that, but you're going to, cause we're here in a circle, you know, and, and, you know, so there's a chance of response that yeah. just wasn't even there before. Like the levels of relationship are so different mm -hmm. when you begin to function like this versus the other. And so I get a lot of questions sometimes from people who still think very fun, like um, organizationally about, well, how accountability, well, how this, how that. And I'm like, you're just, you're thinking like business and you can't think like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you have to think according to relational strength instead of structural strength. Yeah. And that's that paradigm shift that you're talking about uh, is, is allowing that old way to shift over to this new way. That's good stuff. Yeah. And so that's another thing too, when people are coming in to leading a house church, there's a, there's a process that we take them through. And I know other people who have house church networks, like other apostolic leaders and their churches are healthy. They're people, they're amazing leaders. They've done it differently than us and they have healthy churches. So again, this isn't like, oh, make, you know, who will lead us all? Like, it's uh -huh. not me. Like, I'm not going to lead us all. I can't do that. Like the yeah. God is leading at many people, 
you know, who have new wineskin. He's connecting us together so that we can begin to like share overlap, but like, which is really what's happening. Cause there's been so many settings now where I find myself um, overlapping to such a degree with other leaders and movements and expressions to where people like they'll be in an environment and not know who's really the leader of it anymore because it's just overlapping in many ways. You mm-hmm. know, like we are, we've trained house church leaders or elders or whatever people call them in different settings. We'll train people who aren't even a part of our apostolic network or whatever, you know, like we will, we'll train them, but we ask them first, are you connected to fivefold community in where you are? So do you have like apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists that you trust that are in your area that you can connect in with? And are you connected to peers? Because connection to peers and connection to leaders in our, from our measure of health, like it's, it's necessary. Hmm. So we actually won't, we won't empower anybody, which again, I think we shouldn't just go and do it. I think we really should come into this familial, you know, leadership structure of God so that we actually can be released and sent and like go with authority and go with, with, I don't like the word covering because of the topic cover because of what it carries for people. Yeah, it's got some icky connotations for some people, I guess. Yeah. That sense of, okay, I have people, I've got a tribe. Let's say it like that. Mm -hmm. I've got a tribe of people. I have the the resources relationally that I'm going to need to really fulfill the work, to do the thing that God's asking me to do. Mm -hmm. Because some of us would want to do the thing God's asking us to do, but we got to heal our issues with people first yeah. so that we really can receive what we need. Cause you're still going to, re- you're going to need in this new thing you need, you still need, mm-hmm. you need leadership. You need people who are backing you up, who are giving you the tools. Like you have to have it. You can't just be out on your own or you're going to build another dysfunctional thing. It's just different. It yeah. is a different dysfunction. And so we have to come into a family, a tribe, um, you know, and so there are many tribes that are exist and many of them are overlapping. Um, and I think the danger is when it's just one voice speaking into lots of things you need, like that multiple, you know, the council of voices speaking into movements, speaking into direction, speaking into those kinds of things. Um, otherwise, it again becomes very like, well, what's the pet value of that leader? What's the thing that leader is really like strongest at? And then that's really going to be what the movement ends up looking like. Hmm. So you have to have that diversity of anointing, the diversity of voices, the council of different leaders who are leading together. Um, But yeah, it can be different movements. But for us, it's just like, well, are you connected? It's again, the relational above the structural so do you have fivefold community? Do you have a network of other leaders that you're connected to? And so mm. in our, in our community, you know, we've got um, peers, you know, so the, the leaders of house churches, they also have connection among peer leaders. Mm. So the hope is that, you know, as more churches are planted in areas that that becomes relational now, or that becomes, um, you know, more regional and it's as regional as it can be at the moment, you know, when you only have you know, two churches in that state, one church in that state. And it's like, okay, right. well, you guys get together. But eventually the hope would be that it's like 10 churches in a city, you know, and all of those elders. And that's when you start to have the council of elders that rises in a city, you know, at, that are leading among the church and you're gathering together every month and you're doing, you know, and then you can have different rhythms that look a lot more like the New Testament because you've got that local, you know, people are much closer together. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind it's like, there's this, 
there's a blueprint that we haven't actually seen yet hmm. because we don't have enough people functioning in it. Hmm. So there's an ideal blueprint that is on the way, but there, we need like, you know, thousands of more house churches for it to actually function according to that design. Yeah. And so right now we're doing the best we can with what exists and it already is like filling out the blueprint more and more. That makes sense. Yeah. That's super cool though. Um, I, I'm really curious about this because, um, you know, I've, I think we all have friends who have walked away from the Lord or, you know, and maybe it, a lot of it was like, maybe if, if, even if you reflect back on high school or younger and you have friends that were like on fire and then, you know, maybe there was powerless Christianity represented within their church and then they just got disillusioned with it or whatever. Um, how have you guys managed, like, even just like kids, you know, being, you know, 18 and under, like being in this environment? Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. Is it something where you treat them just as much as a part of the process or do you treat them differently depending on their age? I'm just really curious how you guys have navigated that. Maybe it's a, obviously a work in progress, I'm sure. but Yeah, and, and it is, it's a question that is individual, mm-hmm. you know, to the city, to the church, to all that, mm-hmm. because it's just... It's different depending on so many factors. What's what's the maturity of the families that are in the group? Mm. Um, what kind of place are you meeting? Is there like a separate space where kids can be? Um, do you have a backyard? Like in New York, we had a loft. So it was one open space. That's very different than what mm-hmm. we did when we had a home with a backyard and we had multiple families versus mostly singles. It's like, so we brainstormed that with the church. Like, how do they handle that? Right. Because so, so there's, there's some blanket things in the sense of paradigm shifts. So where does discipleship belong? Well, it belongs in the family. And so the goal is to equip strong families that can carry on discipleship of their children versus separating all the kids and thinking, okay, this is our one shot to help them know Jesus. This like 40 minute lesson we're going to do right. yeah. full of like examples and a felt boards. Yeah. <laughs> the felt boards. Yeah screens and presentations and all this uh-huh, stuff like, yeah. do this you're not going to serve god because like we have to yeah. really focus this 40 minutes so um there's lots of ideas for things to do with families with kids i think um it's a lot less of an issue than some people up front think it is mm-hmm. it's just again a different paradigm do you expect yeah. silence in your house church because that's not happening yeah yeah <laughs> You know, do you like what? So, it, it, like, our expectations have to shift on what we think church is. Our expectations have to shift on what do we think the church as an organization is responsible for versus we are the church in this circle here together. And what are we responsible for collectively as a spiritual family so that we know that our kids are being raised up to know Jesus? And then there's potentially evangelistic ideas on you know, kids who don't have that kind of environment with parents and, you know, how the church has often had uh, evangelistic stuff to bring kids to Jesus, you know, different ministries. And so that doesn't have to go away. Like there's just so many things that Mm -hmm. we can still be creative, you know, among even one house church or a a region of churches on how, how do we want to reach kids in our area? We can still have ministries. We can still have stuff that we're doing, but it's like, we just have to think differently about how we initiate some of those things. And then, you know, we can use that as 
definitely ways to reach families and, you know, I don't know. There's so yeah about 17 topics that we could have veered off into, you know, yeah. It's just- I think, yeah, I think the one thing that is really refreshing, though, about like this whole conversation is, is there's no, for me, it's really, and I know for a lot of other people would be the same way. It's, it's very freeing to, to, to hear things distilled down to really what you're after instead of like, well, we can't, we can't uh, do this. We can't do that. But really what you're after is this other thing but you're implementing these rigid structures to try and control that so that what's produced is something that only the spirit can produce and, and only a healthy environment can produce. And um, to me, even just hearing you talk about the family thing, like that actually was like really refreshing rather than, well, we break the kids up and we always teach them this first. <laughs> and it's just like, it's really refreshing. It really is. And even, even hearing you, like one of the first examples you said was like, what's the maturity of the family itself. And I was like, Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like differing maturity levels, even amongst families that may be a part of that community. Didn't even think about that. So I, I mean, to me, this whole conversation has been very refreshing because I think it does present like, hey, look, it's not just this one thing or this other thing. And, and you know, you have an A or B option or you have an A option. And, you know, it's like, it's really, really refreshing. Um, because it, allow, it, it, it takes us and gets us out of the way and allows God to feed his church in the way that he has intended to do that. Yeah. And it's um, body ministry too. It, it really does create um, ownership and maturity mm-hmm. amongst so many more people within yeah. the body when you have the body responsible for the body. Yeah, absolutely. Being practical outworking of taking care of one another's needs, um, you know, of just walking together. And it takes away to the, it's not about the service. It's not about the gathering. It's about life together. You should gather, you know, and there are things we do when we gather, but like the life together component is really the most important part that you begin to establish a community of people who are doing their lives together. Like they're caring for each other's needs. They're, um, they're seeing, okay, what is God saying to us? How do we have ownership? We talk about like, I'm not a consumer. I'm a contributor. Yeah. Right. Which taking away that consumerism idea of like going to a church service. Someone tells me three things I need to know. I take that sit in a row. Nobody knows me. I go home. It's like, you got to come into a community where what you, what you contribute is appropriate for like where you're at with God, for your level of understanding, you know, but everybody understands in a family I contribute. So, you know, when you're five, you do, you know, there's a different level of responsibility on you than when you're 18. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, you're ready. You're ready to, to hold a lot more responsibility. You're ready to go. You're ready to start a family. You're ready to, you know, to be matured into this or to that. But really that, that environment is, to build up a community of mature people in the spiritual formation. Like I am formed into a mature believer. I understand how to pray. We pray together, you know? So somebody who didn't maybe know how to pray out loud or who struggles to hear God's voice, you know, they're, they're around a community of people praying and hearing God's voice and mm-hmm. learning how to exchange, you know, Hey, I'm hearing this. I'm sensing this. Is that right or wrong? And they're strengthening those muscles and they're learning how to understand the word because they're in the word every week. 
you know, together with other people. Like we don't do preaching. That's another thing. So we're not like, and this is, again, these are all things we talk about as we take on, you know, new elders and train them and then, you know, release them kind of into the family, which we're not, we don't train people if they're just going to go. So people like we've had people ask us, well, can I just get access to your training? And we say, no, you can't Hmm. because we're not teaching a method. We're bringing people into our family or we're training them on behalf of other families. And that's fine with us too. But we don't do, this isn't like- It's always unto something though. Right. Like you're yeah. coming into a tribe yeah, or you're going into another tribe or you're starting your own tribe, which is also fine. But there's a tribal mentality. You're not just going out to start a church and you just want some tips. That's structure thinking. That's method thinking. And that's mm. not what the new wineskin is. Um, but we don't, we don't preach. We don't have people preach in, you know, every church meeting. It's not that you couldn't bring a word. Like if somebody in there has a word and they're inspired by the Holy spirit, like bring the word, bring the word that you have. But as a regular practice, right. We want to get into the word because people need to know the word. They don't need someone else's interpretation of the word every week. They need how to under, they need to understand how to read the Bible yeah, I love that. Get into God's word for themselves. So that's like one of our five pillars of mm. gathering. We talk about how do we gather in the local assembly? These are the five things we do. How long do you do them? Don't know. Depends. <laughs> how, how frequently? Um, regularly. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know, but you need to make sure that these things are all intention in your gathering so that you are producing spiritual formation so that mm-hmm. you're producing life together so that you're producing, you know, authenticity and people knowing each other. It's like, as you do all these things over time, you're all going to grow up. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be able to send. Mm-hmm. So that's one way that house churches multiply is through the sending when, as people grow in that environment. Mm-hmm. And another way they, you know, begin is because people are, especially in this era, right, of church, there are many mature believers who have been matured haphazardly. You know, usually it's like we just were hungry to be matured. So we like, you know, would find the teaching and find the stuff. It, like many of us were like, where are my spiritual parents? I've never had any, you know, I don't know, but I just, God and tons of podcasts and I've had, you know, a couple <laughs> of along the way. And, you know, I'm like relatively mature as a believer and, you know, went to some counseling. So I've got some emotional maturity and I'm doing okay. You know, so there's many people who are really ready to shepherd, like they're ready and they're willing. And usually they're people who have jobs or people who have other responsibilities. But they see the need for discipleship. They see the need for people to be gathered and formed. And that really is, you know, what you're doing when you lead a house church. You're, you're engaging in discipleship and life together with a group of people. And the expectation is that you're going to send them out one day. Just mm-hmm. like parents, you're going to send them out. You're going to release them. They're going to be matured in who they are, matured in their ministry as you connect them in, you know, to the people that they need, just like you do with your own kids. You know, you don't have everything that your kid's going to need. They're going to need other things from other people along the way so that they can grow and mature. And so that is kind of that same understanding that you don't own them, right? You don't own these people coming into your house church. They don't have to like only receive from you and ask you your permission to live their life. That's not what that's. Wow. Yeah. Of maturity. Yeah. Where people have a safe space to grow in God and mm. they have accountability, you know, in that environment to be known, to be challenged, to be loved, to love each other, you know. Wow. And so that's really what that house church environment is meant to be like. Wow. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of questions too that don't they're kind of translated through like this. What am I trying to say? It's like 
you're trying to ask questions that it's like, well, if you're in this community, it begins to make more sense as you develop in this community. But a lot of times you have to just, I would imagine just kind of have to jump in and allow that process to take place of refinement, even within yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Rather than looking at this from the outside in and being like, well, what about this? And like, what about like, what about this instance? And what about this? And you're like, I don't know. It's just like whatever (laughs) unique to the individual and what they need. Yeah. 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 As you go, you'll figure out many things. Um, There are some things that it's better to know up front before you begin, um, you know, gathering in this way. Um, But I think that a lot of things really do get worked out as you go. The thing that we have to remember, like the main, main thing, the main takeaway is that this is a relational wineskin. You have to enter into it with the right relationships, not the right strategy. That's the piece that like, is like for some people, cause they're like, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's like, yes, there are things that you need to do, but you need the right relationship and you need the right, um, the right, you know, context in order for those things. So the right paradigm, you know, so paradigm shifting and relationships is really what you need. And that way, you know, you've got a diversity of people. You have a way of thinking that does produce what we do. And so if we change how we think and we're aligned to the right people, there's a really good chance of, of doing it well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's really what you go for. Um, And so that's, that's why we train people. Like that's why we bring people in. It's, it's not for the training itself. It's so they can change their paradigm. And so they can establish relationships. And so when that happens, then you can begin gathering. Cause we always want to get to the thing. We're like, well, how, how do I start gathering? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, like do, you will gather people, but don't you want to do that when you have the right relationships and the right mentality? So that's really like where you would start, you know? So, and even some people, you know, they're like, Hey, we just, we get together and eat dinner with other believers. I mean, okay. More power to you. Like nobody said you can't eat with believers. Nobody said you can't pray together. Nobody said you can't, you know, do these things. But before you really begin to function as a house church, you know, when it's like, Hey, we are a house church We're, you know, I would say that those two things are really important. The shifting of the paradigm. And I've seen people do like, again, like I can't say like, Cause I've seen God, you know, just gather a group of people together and say like, do it. And they, be, and he began to shift their paradigm mm-hmm. as they pressed in and interceded together. And he began to shift them into, you know, new understanding. And then they aligned with leaders that he, you know, like some of the churches that are, you know, we're relationally connected to now, we didn't start those churches. We didn't train those leaders, but they're now just in our family. We know them and they're just, we are. Right. So then it's like, I can't say it has to happen in this exact way. Otherwise it starts to get religious. Right. Right. And you can get too formulaic and, you know, suddenly if something goes out of order and say somebody, you told somebody a formula and and then God himself sets it, you know, presents it to them out of order. Suddenly they're like, that's not it because like Ram, that, Ram, that's Rama right. said, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't do that. But like, so first priority, let's say is, what is God saying? And do you have real confirmation that that's what God is saying? Hmm. Not just like, I think God might be saying, don't launch out on, I think God might be saying, have, have some confirmation that he's leading you, you know? But I would say, then you really want to say, okay, God, who do you want us to be connected to? Who, where are our relationships 
so that we can do this well? Who's our tribe of people? Um, and then what do you need to change about the way I think about church, the way I think about community, the way I think about these things? Um, and so the, the, those would be really good starts. Yeah. Um, you know, because ultimately the church isn't meant to be these like segmented organizations. And I think this is another way that we have to change how we think, because even when I talk about, you know, tribe and being connected, I see training somebody as long as they're connected to to another um, you know team of leaders or somebody. I see that as still doing the same work. Like I don't see it as better when somebody is like connected to the pastor that we have over here or that like it's not different and we have to stop seeing it as different. Like, am I building my thing or not? It's like, am I building the thing? And there's only one thing. Yes. I just want it to be healthy, which is why I won't train somebody or I won't like engage with people who don't want relationships in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so it has nothing to do with like control over that church or, you know, like telling people certain numbers or something. It just has to do with, am I, Am I doing something? Am I building something into the body? Because there has to be fear of the Lord too. Am I building something that actually is going to hopefully bless people and hopefully do the work that God has asked us to do in scripture? So that really is, you know, what the qualification needs to be, you know, even among leaders feeling afraid of like losing their influence and all of this, like you don't, and anyway, if that's your primary concern, you also, there's some deeper work that needs right. to be. Yes. Because it actually, this highlights people's deeper motives to ourselves, right? Sometimes we don't even acknowledge or know that those motives are there until they start being like poked at. Mm-hmm. Um, because really we are on the same team and God's wanting us to see the body that way. And that's where the overlapping spheres come from, the overlapping authority um, that we understand that we're co-laboring with others called to the same spheres. Mm. So when we're called to the same nation, when we're called to the same regions, when we're called, like, I'm not building my thing and you're building your thing. And, you know, I need permission to do your thing. You need permission for me to talk to that person. It's like, this is very, this is very business thinking. This is not relationship. This is not co-laboring. Um, you know, if nobody has relationship, that's when you're like, well, who are you? Where are you coming from? Why do you have authority to do that or this? But it's a relational exchange. It's not, well, what church are you from? What like, because that's the way you got authority before. You were part of X organization. And because you are part of that, that's where your authority comes from to say this, to do that, to be a leader of this or whatever. Mm. Does that make sense? I don't oh, know it absolutely it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I would, just because you mentioned the fivefold, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rayma, but I do really believe that where God is taking the body of Christ right now, we need to take in the whole of everything, not just the things that make us comfortable. So if you come from, you know, if you do feel called into this, being being pushed into this, you know, what Rayma has been presenting, not, and you really favor just strictly word and you're like, I don't know about, you know, and maybe even leaning into cessationist but you're actually feeling led into this, like allowing, because I often say on this show, just because something makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong, but also mm-hmm. it's important to, to know, you know, cause there's a lot of foreign entities coming in, you know, right. that aren't actually scriptural. So, right. 
but it does sound like in order to this whole new wineskin thing, it is 100% the five fold. It is taking in everything that God has presented to us, not just the things that, you know, make us, make us comfortable. And that's a part of speaking into that consumer driven Mm -hmm. Christianity that Mm -hmm. we've created where we tell people, well, find a church that works for you. Find something you like, right? This again is a very, um, it's consumer driven and it's like, well, what's your flavor? What's your taste? And, and that mm-hmm. like doesn't actually exist in the New Testament. <laughs> there's no like favorite flavor. There's no favorite preacher. There's no, it's where do you live? Assemble with believers. Yeah. Get together, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so um, it's not, and, and that doesn't mean it's wrong to gather together with people with common interests or blah, blah. That's a whole nother, you know, big can of topic. But my, my main point is just, it's all of it. It's the whole, it's the whole Bible. It's the whole, the whole wineskin, just getting together with other believers every Sunday doesn't mean that you're actually living in obedience to like what God is releasing right now. Hmm. And I think that's a part that some people might struggle with. Well, we're doing, you know, we're doing house church. It's like, well, just because you're house church doesn't mean you're new wineskin. And I think that's a piece that we have to understand um, and just because someone's still gathering in a, you know, large assembly doesn't mean they're not new wineskin. Again, the journey and God, you know, transitioning the body and moving things and bringing people along and all this, it's just looking like a lot of different ways at the moment. But the core thing is, which I've talked about before, humility to the spirit, right? Jesus, what are you doing in the church? Please guide us to that from wherever I am. Guide me to that. Um, and really letting God lead because, um, you know, many of us, we, we still want that whole like cherry pick mentality. Well, I'm going to build this thing. And it's going to be like this, like this, like this. I've heard many church planters, you know, they'll be like, well, what do you like the most? And what kind of method mm-hmm. do you think will work for you and how to grow your church and 10 easy steps and like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, this is not it. Like it, it really does belong to Jesus. And we are servants. We are people who are doing what he says. So that has to be your, your mentality. Like from any regard, whether you, you know, you're building from the fivefold direction or whether you build from, you know, starting a house church and, you know, however you're doing it, it really, yeah. So many things I could say, but yeah, man. Well, I mean, this is super, super good. I think the big takeaway too, for me is like looking at people coming into your home church as the, I'm going to send these people out rather than how can I keep these people here as long as possible? And, and realizing that, that God having someone transition on from something is inevitable. Like you can't prevent that from happening. But so often, like how often have we heard stories of a pastor getting upset because people leave his congregation? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and we really need to move away from that like that's the wrong mentality if you're sitting there trying to hoard and keep people in when eventually you should grow and eventually people should go and be commissioned to go and 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 carry this on and and um you know wherever yeah. they feel like God is leading them to so um so good all right rama i would love for you to pray for people i know that this is like really really res- going to resonate with a lot of people um so i would love for you to pray We'll close this out, this fantastic episode out. Yeah, totally. And I think too, if anybody, you know, if people are wondering next steps, right? So if even out of this, they're like, well, yes, I I do want to understand and explore. I want to know what does that look like? 
Um, we do um, training, right? Like, which is again, don't think training, think coming into tribe and establishing relationships with where you are and things like that. But we do that three times a year. So we have another intake that's going to start in August. Awesome. Um, so we'll begin to kind of talk about that soon. Um, but people can be, kind of look out for that, like on Instagram, Facebook, like, um, and then on revive the way.com it'll, it'll say when we're beginning that intake. And then there's also, there's a little video you watch kind of explains a little bit more about what that means and mm-hmm. all of that. We have one, we have our second intake of the year that's happening now. And then there's another one that will start at the end of August. And so that can help people understand if this might be the pathway for them in order to kind of be released into that. Um, and so, yeah, but I'll, I'll... And are those on, uh, is that an online thing? Or is it an in-person thing? So in-person? it's, it's a combination. So there's okay. at least the way we do it. Um, it's 12 weeks mm-hmm. and there's weekly, you know, um, about an hour of training. There's multiple leaders involved from all over the world. Again, like it has to be like for us, it's, that's a value to just have multiple voices into everything. So there's uh, multiple leaders involved. There's different stuff you listen to about an hour a week. Then um, through that process, we're do, we do open sessions, deliverance, ministry. Like this is with the leaders. Wow. Um, there's um, different like, so you start gathering in pastoral environments. So you start gathering with pastors along that process. Um, you begin to gather with regional apostolic leaders in that process. You start to get to know like local leaders that are in your area. Um, and then, you know, as you kind of come to the end, there's also then like strategy for like, okay, well, what is your area? Well, what are the factors like kids like this? How do I grow my group? How do I find people? Like, what are the things that we're, you know, so it's very, it progresses as it goes, but it's 12 weeks long. And then we actually, you know, commission people in person, hopefully, right? So that's the goal in the different gatherings we do through the year that you can make it to the next one. And we'll actually pray and commission you in person. Um, All of the apostles and the elders and the people who are part of the movement would pray over you and release you into that office, you know, within the church. And then ongoing, we're there for you. Like there's support, there's relationship, there's access, you know, so that's kind of how it works for us. Awesome. So cool. Love it. Yeah. Love it. All right. All right. Well, go ahead and pray and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll close this out. Sounds good. Um, Lord, we thank you that you, Jesus are the leader of the church. Yeah. And, um, we just, we know that you are doing a new thing. Um, I know I don't have all the answers to what that is, but I'm happy that, you know, that you've used me to contribute, you know, to that conversation and that, You're using many others as well to bring revelation, to bring truth, to help us understand what do we do now? And Lord, I just pray that you would move people's hearts to know what is their place at the moment? How are you leading them? How are you guiding them? What are you wanting them to do? Um, You know, because we want to obey you. We want to build your church. We want to, we want to resemble your son on the earth and we want your body to look like you, Jesus. And so would you lead all of us in the way? Um, of your spirit and would we be responsive and obedient to that so would you um, put it on our heart lord what is our place in this moment and for those who are being called into you know beginning to to gather beginning to disciple within the body leading a group of people um, would you just bring confirmation to their hearts that this is how you're calling them this is where Mm -hmm. you want them to go 
Um, and would you begin to just strengthen them, Lord, and, and shift, you know, shift their mind, bring them into the right relationship so they can begin to see your kingdom outworked in this way. And just bless everybody who's listening. Mm-hmm. I thank you, Lord. We thank you that your ways are perfect. Your ways are good. And we just surrender the things in us that are not in alignment with you. And we ask you to bring us into alignment because you are perfect alignment. And so whatever is off in us, Lord, like shift us into thinking your way, into outworking your kingdom, your way into being like you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. So you mentioned revivetheway.com. People can also follow you on Instagram. You're pretty active on there. Always posting really good nuggets of goodness. So how can people, what's, what's your, uh, what's your name on Instagram? Rayma. Instagram is revive the way or sorry. My Instagram is just my name. Rayma trainer. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then on, on Inst, wait, what did I say? Instagram Rayma trainer. And then I would say revive the way on Instagram also, and then revive the way.com. Awesome. Rayma, thank you so much. I mean, you're so generous just sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience. And I know it's really, really appreciated to a lot of people. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So everybody, that's a wrap for today's show. Tomorrow we've got Josh Rich and Victoria Sosa back, brother and sister duo. Um, And we're going to be talking about some great stuff. So tune in then at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, ElijahStreams.com slash donate. That's how you guys donate. Remember, it's not Elijah Fire anymore. It's just Elijah Streams. Easier for accounting. We are going to wrap up, everybody. Love you guys. And we'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 